0: Hello and welcome to episode 238 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thanks for joining me again today. The story is from Essex and looks at the world of the vigilante group taking justice into their own hands. Whatever your view on vigilantes, whether you believe it is right or wrong, I'm sure we can agree it can be fraught with danger. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, especially the new members of this exclusive club. That's Rebecca Brown, Sidass and Dave Thompson. Thank you so much for your support, which is always so much appreciated. The podcast today is sponsored by Beer 52. Undoubtedly, the free case of 8 craft beers you can order today from Beer 52 is about as much fun as it's possible to have, unless you are wrapped in just a towel in a Rochdale sauna with the kings of dullness blasting out. To get your free case, just head to beer52.com/truecrime to pay just the five pounds ninety-five postage. If you aren't as keen on dark beer, choose the light option, and it will soon arrive at your door with the magazine and a beery snack. Perfect for an evening outside in this lovely UK weather we are briefly experiencing. Did you know that Beer52 is the world's largest beer club with over 170,000 active members? And once you join, you can cancel or pause at any time. It sounds like a great deal, right? If you like beer, you can't really lose. So go to beer52.com slash truecrime now and pay just the £5.95 postage to get your free case of eight craft beers, a magazine and a snack. That is beer52.com slash truecrime. This podcast is brought to you by Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a great game, one that I play a lot. Have you played it yet? I really enjoy it, it never gets dull. There are always new levels, events, and challenges to interest and surprise you. So the game is always new, fresh, and exciting. I really enjoy the puzzles on Best Fiends. I know you would too. And although the game is made for adults, like me, I'm sure you will enjoy the bright, colourful gameplay. And of course, all the cute characters that you collect during the course of the game. I play with friends and family all over the world. It always gets competitive, of course. Why don't you come and find me and join me on the game? The other great thing with Best Fiends is that you don't need internet connection, which is ideal for me living in a remote area where the internet is always a challenge to say the very least. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Let's quickly set some context for today's story with our guest the month and year game. Friend of the show, The Beaver, topped the UK charts with What Did I Do? In the US it was The Hills from The Weekend, And in the Australian album charts, sadly, no sign of Horses re-released, but it was Various Artists with Triple J Like A Version Volume 11, Trips Off The Tongue. In the news this month, plastic bags in supermarkets in the UK now cost 5p. A bombing at a peace rally in Ankara, Turkey killed at least 95 people and injured 200. China announced the end of their one-child policy after 35 years. England bombed out of their own Rugby World Cup which was won by New Zealand. And a Russian airliner crashed in Egypt, killing all 234 people on board. In UK, true crime news. Merseyside police began a major search after one of their officers, David Phillips, died after being hit by a stolen pickup truck he was trying to stop. Did you guess the month and year? It was October 2015. Today's story comes from Las Vegas, sorry, it comes from Basildon in Essex, a town lying around 25 miles east of central London. 80s band Depeche Mode are from Basildon, as is their creator of Bob the Builder. Keith Chapman 42-year-old lorry driver Darren Kelly lived just outside Basildon at Voicey Gardens in Pitsy. He had a daughter, Zoe, who was 20 when we joined this story on the 15th of October 2015. Zoe had lived with her dad until she was 15 years old when her parents got divorced. But she didn't live far away from him, it was just a short walk and the two remained close and they chatted often. As some of you who have split from a long-term partner at around 40 will know, it can be quite a tricky time. Darren was keen to meet someone special and settle down, but he'd also discovered the delights, or otherwise, of internet sites, enabling him just to meet women. Like many others, he had met people just for sex using the Whisper app, which is a Tinder-like app which enables people to have anonymous chats with people nearby. But he'd also recently met someone he wanted to live with, hopefully for the rest of his life, and was planning to sell his house shortly so that he could move to Kent to start a new life with this partner and her sons. But internet dating can for some people be quite addictive, and he was still using the Whisper app to meet women. And so it was on the evening of 15th of October 2015 that Darren Kelly headed off to a different part of Pitsy to meet a woman he knew via the app as Chocolate Bourbon. When he arrived outside the school where they'd arranged to meet and parked up, he very quickly knew that he was in a bad situation and this wasn't what he'd expected at all. Rather than the meeting he'd expected, he was met by a 15-year-old girl Then from the bushes nearby emerged others, a 21-year-old man and two other teenagers. The 15-year-old girl had been the person he'd been chatting to, Chocolate Bourbon, but Darren thought he'd been meeting her mum, not her. But he could never have suspected that she and the rest of the group had taken it upon themselves to lure and attack what they saw as perverts, older men who they thought had been preying on underage girls in their neighbourhood. Straight away the aggression started. The 21-year-old boy, a local loser called Chris Carroll, slashed the tyres of his car so that the route of his escape was blunted. The group then started to punch and to kick him, so frightened for his safety, Darren turned and ran, hotly pursued by the group. As they passed through an alleyway, one passer-by asked what on earth was going on. Christopher Carroll replied saying, He is a paedophile. In the tight residential streets of Pitsy, it was hard for Darren to escape and he was soon caught where he was pulled to the ground as the kicks and the punches rained down on him. At this point, Carol told the others, leave it to me, and then bent over Darren and stabbed him. Seconds later, the group scarpered, leaving Darren lying seriously injured in an alleyway just behind a block of flats. But Darren fought desperately for his life and he managed to get to his feet and somehow made it to the front of the block of flats where he pressed as many buzzers as he could. Just hoping, hoping that someone would answer and get him the help that he knew he desperately needed. When one resident finally answered he said, Help me, I've been stabbed. That neighbour takes up the story of what happened next. I rushed down with the woman who lives below me who is a paramedic. He was covered in blood and there was a trail of blood along the street. He'd been stabbed in the side and arm. I cut his clothes off while she tried to treat him. Paramedics and an air ambulance arrived at the scene and rushed Darren to nearby Baselden Hospital where he could get the specialist treatment that he needed. But Darren's injuries were severe. He'd been stabbed six times, including twice in the lungs. And despite all the very best efforts of the medical experts, Darren died later that evening. Darren Kelly was just 42 when he was murdered. When she heard the news of his death, one of the neighbours who had tried to help Darren said tearfully, I'm just in shock and so sad we couldn't do more. He was passing out and couldn't talk. He couldn't tell us what happened. As so many witnesses had seen the events that evening, up to and including the murder, detectives found it easy to track down the vigilante gang. After the attack, they'd all calmly headed back to the house in Pitsy, where Chris Carroll lived with his dad, while they sat around discussing the events of the evening over pizza. Carroll later discarded the blooded hoodie he'd been wearing into a local weedy bin, and threw the hunting knife he'd used to stab Darren into a nearby lake. When they found the knife, detectives discovered it was exactly the same weapon that had been used to slash the tyres of Darren's car, blocking his escape. Once news of what had happened began to spread in the local community, the two teenage boys from the group were both handed in to the police by their parents. When officers arrived at a house to find Chris Carroll, he was there with the 15-year-old girl who had been in contact with Darren and arranged a meeting. Carol made a somewhat pathetic and unsuccessful attempt to escape, while her somewhat sophisticated line of defence was to shout at officers, Do I look like a murderer? When interviewed, Carol denied stabbing Darren. He admitted being there, and he readily confessed to, in his own words, giving Darren a couple of whacks. But he said that the two 17-year-old boys in the gang were the ones who chased after Darren, and he claimed not to be at the scene when the stabbing took place. In fact, Carol told how he was only aware that a knife had been involved when he was handed the knife by the 15-year-old girl and told to get rid of it. And what of this girl, the so-called chocolate bourbon on the Whisper app? When questioned, it seemed this wasn't the first time she'd arranged to meet older men so they could be arrested. She'd done it twice before. When asked why, she said, to get them arrested because they were perverts and I don't think perverts should be walking around. I don't see anyone else doing anything about it. The first time she'd done this was back in March 2014 when she was 14 years old and she met a 23 year old. They'd engaged in sexually explicit exchanges with the man telling the girl how his fantasy was that he would rape her. The teenage girl arranged a meeting and the police were called. The man was arrested on suspicion of sexual grooming. Then in May 2015, The teenager received a Facebook request and then a message from a much older man, he was 67. She told him initially that she was 25, and as the internet relationship developed, the older man's messages became much more sexual in nature, and eventually she arranged to meet him, with him believing that the purpose of the meet was for sex. The meeting was arranged for Tesco's in Pitsy, and when he arrived, the teenage girl and her friend started shouting and screaming at him, calling him a pervert and telling him he shouldn't be meeting young girls that he'd been talking to on the internet. This altercation attracted the attention of shoppers who called the police and the man was arrested. The 15-year-old girl had been warned by the police after the second incident not to take matters into her own hands any longer, but she clearly ignored their warnings. Text messages showed that the man who had stabbed Darren, 21-year-old Chris Carroll, had been besotted with the 15-year-old girl. One message that he sent to her read, I know you're not ready for a relationship, but I'm going to wait for you. I'm not going to quit until you're mine. Searches of Darren's electronic equipment showed no evidence that he had any interest at all in underage girls. In fact, quite the opposite. On one occasion he was exchanging messages with a 22-year-old, but he then told her he was looking for someone older. His phone also showed evidence of how he had told another woman, so sick all the kids on here, and he said to one teenager who he'd been chatting to, I was hoping that you were older. The teenage girl admitted using their Whisper app to make contact with Darren and then set up the meeting. But the phone he was using to set up the meeting has never been found. When the teenager was arrested, police seized her iPad mini, which had been locked. She later provided the codes, but admitted to police that she'd deleted the app on which she'd made contact with Darren. Only two messages could be recovered those sent to Chris Carroll. So, just to be absolutely clear, there was no evidence that Darren was interested in young girls, and detectives believed that he thought he was going to be meeting the mum of the teenage girl on the night he died. The case proceeded to Chelmsford Crown Court, and all pleaded not guilty to murder. The QC for the defence followed a very clear strategy, arguing that Darren was a paedophile. He told how Darren had complained how all females on Whisper are young, and he said that Darren had moaned that they didn't want to speak with him once they knew his age. This is why he claimed that Darren sometimes used pictures of other people of different ages on his profile. The QC continued, he knew the sort of people he liked, and he was bothered when they didn't want to talk to him. He kept images of people wanting to lose their virginity. He also said that he believed Darren knew full well that he was meeting a 15 year old girl, not her mum, and after getting out of his car that evening, he'd walked past the girl once before coming back and speaking with her. He knew who he was there to meet, he knew her sort of age, said the QC. But the prosecution refuted this evidence, again pointing out that there was no proof whatsoever that Darren had been interested in meeting young girls. All the evidence pointed to the fact that his real interest was in women aged 40 plus. At the end of the six weeks, the 12 jurors were sent out to consider their verdict. On whether Darren had been murdered and who was responsible, they returned a unanimous verdict that 21-year-old Chris Carroll was the sole person responsible for the brutal killing. Following 10 hours and 15 minutes of deliberations, the other three youths in the gang—a 17-year-old boy from Pitsy, a 17-year-old boy from Basildon, and the now 16-year-old girl from Pitsy—were all cleared of murder after telling the jury that they were unaware Chris Carroll had a knife. They couldn't be named due to their ages, and they were discharged from court and told they would face no further action. So that day they walked free from Chelmsford Crown Court, able, rightly or wrongly, to get on with the rest of their lives. The packed public gallery was filled with gasps and cries as the verdicts were announced. When Carroll heard his fate, a smile crossed his face and he slowly shook his head in disbelief. He was jailed for life and told that he would serve a minimum of 21 years behind bars before he was eligible for parole. The judge said how Darren was lured to his death by a modern-day lynch mob after he was wrongly thought to be a paedophile. When he told Carol of his prison sentence, Carol stared straight ahead, showed no emotion at all. As he was taken down to custody, he gave a thumbs-up sign to his family. Coincidentally, if he serves his 21 years in prison, this will mean that on his release he'll be the same age as Darren Kelly was when Carroll took his life. After the trial, Darren's family released a statement talking firstly about their disgust at the lack of remorse shown by Carroll throughout the trial, saying his heinous actions of not only what he did that night, but his attitude shown in the court when presented with what he'd done to another human being, was very upsetting to witness. Darren was a kind, hard-working, caring, fun-loving, all-round good guy. who would never hurt anyone and did so many good deeds for people over the years. Since his death, we've heard of so many more good things he'd done for people, unbeknown to us. He was a selfless man and never needed praise for helping someone. He was not only a wonderful son, but a brother, a friend, and especially the best father that a girl could have. His daughter didn't just lose a father, she also lost a friend. And after the trial, Darren's 21-year-old daughter Zoe talked to the press about the effect her dad's murder had on her life. She told the Sunday People newspaper, These last months have been the worst days of my life, and have been lost to sadness, anger and heartbreak. I'm learning to cope with the stress, and knowing I'll never get to speak to Darren again. I'll never know what happened that night, because the only honest answer i get is from that person who for no good reason is not here anymore. Zoe was understandably very unhappy that the rest of the gang, except for Carol, were released and appalled that they did not face lesser charges, though they admitted attacking Darren during the court case. She said, It's an absolute disgrace. It makes me incredibly angry to think they're out there. Freely walking around the streets, just not far away from my house. It's an immense sense of injustice only having one behind bars. The girl who organised it has got away scot-free, which leaves me with a very bitter taste in the mouth. Zoe said she felt physically sick when the not guilty verdicts were returned and has since lost faith in the justice system. She added, The two boys who knocked ten bells out of him got nothing. We can take some solace that Carol got what he deserved. But the others had big parts in the attack, especially the girl, and they've got nothing. It makes a complete mockery of the law, and it's totally unfair. Since her dad's murder, Zoe didn't feel able to work anymore and had to give up her job. And she said this was made worse by the attitude of Darren's attack as it caught, with one even sticking his tongue out at her as he left the dock. But the real target of her anger is a 15-year-old girl who arranged to meet Darren that fateful night. So he said, finally, This is what makes me so angry, because there is no proof that my dad ever had an interest in underage girls. She's deleted all the conversations they had online, his phone is missing, and so it's just down to her words. The police never found any evidence to back up what she's claiming. They said that most of the calls he had on his previous phone were to women of a similar age or older. Most people look through her lies, but a few idiots who know nothing about him believe her. Initially, she was posing as an older person. It wasn't the first time she did it. She didn't know those people, and she was warned by the police and social services against doing this sort of thing again. If it wasn't for her, none of the others would have been there, and my dad would probably still be alive. So what do you make of what you heard today? Let me start by saying firstly how sickened I was to hear of the behaviour of the accused in court, showing no respect whatsoever for the family of the victim. Every time I hear this, it still shocks me that people can behave like this when they've had time to reflect on what's happened. I suppose we should start with what your views are on groups of vigilantes taking the law into their own hands. Sure, it seems to me that well organised groups tend to call the police rather than use excessive violence. But getting the wrong person or using the incorrect information is always a risk, isn't it? I wonder if you support the work of these vigilantes. I'm not so sure. In this story, despite the defence muddying the water at the trial, this group had the wrong information about Darren Kelly. But still, why did it lead to murder? There is a strong argument for that old motive that we see in so many of the cases we cover. It was a boy trying to impress a girl that he liked. In this case, Carol had a thing for the 15-year-old girl who set up the meeting, so did he go way further than planned to show off to her with a knife? We can't say for certain, but I'd suggest it seems likely. Whatever the motives, the axe left 42-year-old Darren Kelly dead and his daughter with no dad. A meeting for sex on the internet might not be my thing or maybe your thing, He wasn't doing anything illegal. After the upset, confusion and hurt of divorce, which often leads to a period of feeling lost, he was just about to start the next chapter of his life with his new partner in Kent. Instead, he lost his life on a dreary autumn evening in an alleyway outside a block of flats in south-east Essex to a baying mob. It must have been so frightening. Our thoughts remain with his family and friends for their loss. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime podcast. To discuss this case or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please join 72,000 of us at the Facebook group. And to support the show, please do join me on Patreon for bonus episodes and loads more behind-the-scenes exclusive content. You know it makes sense. So I'm off to enjoy the sunshine while we've still got some. Summer will be over soon in the UK. You know what it's like. So until we speak again next week, have a great week. Take it easy. And despite all the others, please stay classy. Cheerio.